Well, happy Sabbath, everyone. So good to see you. Thank you for making our church the place where you can come and, and, and hear how to be like Jesus. Thank you for dedicating these moments to be in contact with the things of Jesus. We have been in this series that we've titled Life on the Balance. And today I want to begin by showing you something. Probably you know what I have in my hands. Maybe if you're in the back, you're kind of far. But see, what I have in my hands is a piece of a rubber band. And you see, rubber bands have this ability. And the ability of a rubber band is that they, say with me, they stretch. But see, rubber bands, even though they have the ability to stretch, they can only stretch so much. Because when they reach the point where the stress that they can endure reaches... Going beyond that, what happens? They break as they happen to this rubber band. You see, God made us with a stress point. God made us with an ability to, to, to mold our, our life situations, with an ability to, to change our, our emotions to a point that they can help us cope with whatever we're facing. And, and oftentimes, we allow our lives to be always at the stress point, at the maximum stress point. And we live really, really, really stretched. Can you say amen? But actually, we shouldn't say that because it's a bad thing. But see, today, today I, I want to show you something else. You see, according to stress.org, which is an organization that, 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 that uh, polls people in, in daily situations, they discover that... Uh, that 77% uh, of people regularly experience symptoms of, caused by stress. That means that 8 out of 10 of you are going daily to stress and you're reflecting it in your life. They also discover that 73% regularly experience psychological symptoms caused by stress. That means that 7 out of 10 of you are acting out. Uh-huh. Are acting out because of the stress that you're going through. They also discover that 33% of people feel they are living with extreme stress. If I were to ask you to raise your hand if you're in that group, probably you would hurt your shoulder because you're so stressed. They discover also that 48% of people feel their stress has increased over the past five years. Got quiet all of a sudden. 76% cited money and work as a leading cause of their stress. I think they should have added children too, but that's a different... Uh, they also discovered that 48% of people reported lying awake, awake at night due to stress. Now that I got your attention, I'd like to tell you this morning that the reason why we're going to experience stress at these levels every day of our lives, it is because we have a, a very extremely busy lifestyle and we don't know what to do with the things that we have to do. So we're pulling ourselves and like the, like, like the saying says, we're burning the candle on both sides. 
Now, you can call it stress. You can call it burnout. You can call it the blast. Whatever you want to call it. The fact is that our emotional energy is being drained daily. So today, we want to talk to you from the topic of emotional balance. The experience of Elijah in the Bible will tell us how to deal with these kinds of situations. And, and you can get your notes out or open your Bibles and let's go to the, to the letter of James. Letter of James, chapter 5, verse 17. And this is one of the verses that gives us hope. This is one of the verses that encourages us to keep moving forward and to understand that even though we might be in a very, very low, God can bring it to a very, very high. And it says, Elijah was a man with a nature just like ours. Elijah was a man with a nature just like ours. In, the, in case you miss it, let me say it again. Elijah was a man with a nature just like ours. And the first thing that you're probably thinking about as we're reading this text is that how in the world could Elijah the prophet could be like me? You see, in the context of the passage that we'll study on Second Kings, on First Kings, I'm sorry, we'll discover something about Elijah. See, Elijah was a prophet of God in a very difficult time. The times where Elijah was around and performing his ministry, the people of Israel had very actually dedicated their lives to worship other gods. They were in, in a time where worshiping God. The God of the Bible was very rare. People were offering to sacrifices. They were offering their children. They were not reading the scriptures. They were living lives that were completely against the principles of God. Does that sound familiar? But see, if there is a lesson that we need to learn here. That Elijah tells us that in his story that there are some emotional drainers Things that take our emotional energy away from where it should be. And that is why we suffer emotionally. And the first emotional drainer that Elijah wants to teach us is that we focus on feelings instead of on facts. See, in 1 Kings chapter 19 verse 4 says, For he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree. Now, the context of this text family is this. Elijah had been wrestling, wrestling with himself and with God. See, before this event happened in, in, in chapter 19, Elijah was in the middle of a drought just like the people of Israel. They hadn't rained for years in the land. And you know what happens when it doesn't rain. There is no food. There is no crops. There is no produce. There, there, there's anxiety. There's nothing to live on. There's no hope. So what Elijah does is that he prays to God for rain. And guess what happened? It rained. So you might think, well, Elijah had the power to rain, to pray for rain. And he rained. Elijah must had everything under control. See, another thing that Elijah did right before this passage is that they were false prophets. The prophets of Baal. And they were promoting the worship of God. And what happened was that he called them up to Mount Carmel and he challenged them. 
And he said, okay, this is the time once and for all that we have to settle this. We have to see if Baal is God or if the God of the scripture, the God of heaven is a true God. So what we're going to do is that you're going to offer a sacrifice to Baal. I'm going to offer a sacrifice to God of heaven. And whatever God sends fire from heaven, that is a true God. The Bible tells us that the prophets of Baal prepare their altars, prepare their sacrifice, and they begin to dance, they begin to jump, they begin to cry, they cut themselves. But fire never came. Elijah now prays to God, but before he prays, I think he got a little cocky. And what he did is that he got jars of water and he poured it on the altar. He poured it on the wood. And you know, Pathfinders, that if you have wet wood, it's hard to lit a fire, to light a fire. So what, it, what happens is that Elijah wets the, the sacrifice and the Bible tells us that fire descended from heaven, that it was so hot that it not just consumed the sacrifice, but he melted the rocks. You see, when God does something, he doesn't do it halfway. So see, what happens now is Elijah is in a very spiritual high. Now he's, he, imagine, fire came from heaven when he prayed. But all of a sudden, coming after this spiritual high, he's in a very emotional low. And usually that happens. When we come from a very spiritual, uh, uh, very high spiritually moment, we come down emotionally. Because see, being connected in, in that level to God requires energy, requires emotionally, an emotional investment. And if we don't control it properly, we get drained. And what happens is that we start making bad choices. So now Elijah feels, did you hear what I said? Feels that he is alone. So he says in verse 4 that we were reading, he sat under the tree and he asked that he might die. What? He just prayed for rain and it rained. He just prayed for fire and fire came. And now he's saying, God, kill me. I don't want to live anymore. Because see, the fact about feelings is that feelings are not always facts. Feelings can lie. You see, have you ever felt like, well, today I don't feel like paying the rent. Just because you feel like not doing something, that doesn't make it a good thing. You see, but, but see, we forget that God was there when he prayed for rain. God was there when he prayed for fire. And he was there when he's sitting at the shade of the tree. But Elijah forgot the fact of the presence of God available to him. So he was feeling, and his feelings were more important for him at that moment than the facts. And that's when we get into troubles, because feelings can lie. The second emotional drainer that we experience, family, is that we compare ourselves to others. In verse 4 in the second part, it says, It is enough now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am no better than my father's. I am no better. See, Elijah began to compare himself with others. 
And nothing good ever comes of comparing yourself with others. See, here in America, we have this saying that keeping up with the Joneses. Because we try to have what pe other people have. We try to compare what other people experience. We try to compare our children with other people's children. And what happens is that we just become bitter and angry because their situation is their situation. My situation is my situation. And it's illogical to compare. Now, Elijah began to compare his past family members with himself. And he forgot that everyone is different. The times were different. See, it is interesting to see um, how people who were raised in the 50s and the 60s oftentimes compare themselves to people who are raised today. Have you ever told your children, you know, when I was your age? Have you ever said that before? See, circumstances were different. You know, the generation that was born from, from a, a, a 2000 and on is the first generation that does not know a world with the screens. Without a screens, I'm sorry. Yeah, now it made sense. Let me say that again just in case I lost you. The generation that was born in 2000, that began to be born in 2000, is the first and only generation that does not know a world without screens. So see, we, we often tell our children, those of us who were born without screens, oh, see, when I was your age, I never played video games. Well, they were not around. <laughs> That's why you didn't play. Circumstances are different. But see, what's always been there, what's always been there is the tendencies. When something absorbs you all the time, it takes control of your emotions. In the, in the case of Elijah, he is willing to die because he cannot compare. He, he, he doesn't see the comparison with his grandparents or his parents. He didn't feel that he measured up to that. And you know, parents, we are great at putting guilt trips on our children. Aren't we? But our problem is that when we compare, we often compare our weaknesses to someone else's strengths. And we forget that perhaps their weakness is my strength. So trying to live based on that comparison and try to measure up to that drains our emotional energy. The third emotional drainer that, that Elijah faces is that we blame others for things that are not our fault. We blame others for things that are not our fault. In verse 10, 1 Kings 19, he says, He said, I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant. Now he's talking about other people in his time. The people of Israel have for, for, forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with a sword. Now Elijah is right in saying that what the people were doing was wrong. But because the, what the people were doing was wrong, that didn't justify that he wanted to die. Are you with me? So in other words, he was saying, that kill me because they're doing it wrong. 
Let me, let, let me explain this to you in this way. Let's say that at your job, in your office, you go to the manager and you say, you know, you should fire me because my co-worker is not doing his job. How much sense does that make? Not at all. Not at all. It's illogical, right? But that is exactly what happens when you allow your emotions to make decisions for yourself. We worry about things that we cannot control and we end up feeling responsible. Are you with me? So what happens is that my emotional energy gets drained. You see, the fact is that people don't always do what we tell them to do. Going back to the parenting thing. The thing with emotions is that we get upset when things don't go our way, but we cannot, we cannot experience our pain in other people's lives. In other words, when they're making the mistakes, it's their choices. And let me tell you something, family. Let me tell you something. See, our job as parents of any age, our job as parents is to teach our children to make decisions on their own. Because, see, there's going to be a time when they're going to be on their own. And if I'm a parent, have been making all the decisions in their lives for them. When they're on their own, they're not equipped with the basic tools to be a human. So, see, what happens is that we should focus on teaching our children how to make decisions, not necessarily on making decisions for them. Now... The best way to teach them how to make decisions is showing them how to make decisions. And the fourth emotional drainer that Elijah faces is that when we go in this down spiral of emotions, we tend to exaggerate the negative. The second part of verse 10 says, and I, even I only am left. And they seek my life to take it away. Elijah is blowing it out of proportion. First of all, he doesn't know everything. He doesn't know the hearts of the other people. But he thought he was the only one. And he's saying, God, I'm the only one. Because when we go in this emotional spiral, downward spiral, we tend to exaggerate the bad things. The truth, is that, the truth is that the cause of all this was only one person. And that was Jezebel. And the funny thing about this is that Elijah had already defeated 800 of her prophets. But see, when our emotions take control of our decisions, our actions are going to be based on feelings. So at this moment, Janelle is going to tell us why it's so important to have emotional balance. Thank you. Happy Sabbath, church family. Can you hear me? Yeah? I'm sorry. I apologize. I have a, <clears throat> a small voice. Um, I just want to ask you, who or what is your Jezebel? Who or what is your Jezebel? Who's coming after you? Who's telling you and making you say, it's enough. 
I'm tired. Can it stop? Who is it? I hope in your mind you're coming up with what it is. Or does your body talk to you? Does your body talk about stress? Is your body the Jezebel, the one that's saying no more? Is it, do you have chronic headaches? Does your stomach often hurt? Do you have heart palpitations? Like I did when I was sitting over there. <laughs> Those are ways our body communicates with us and says things aren't okay. It makes us moody, makes us grumpy parents, makes us bad husbands or wives. Stress does a, a lot of things to our body. Did you know that in America, one million people every workday call in sick for symptoms related to stress? One million. So yesterday, one million Americans called out sick because of symptoms of stress. And in 2013, WebMD says that 70 to 90% of office visits to your doctor are stress-related, the symptoms. Stress is related to heart disease. Stress is related to cancer. As I told you, I have an autoimmune disease. Stress is related to my autoimmune disease. If I'm stressed out, my doctor knows it. I know it. So stress is a huge thing in our culture. And it's a leading cause of suicide. We heard about Elijah. He was suicidal. He wanted his life to end. But stress is also a good thing. It, promotes, it makes us do things. But when it's chronic, our body is not geared to survive that way. The stress response we have three things. Usually it's two, but there's a third. There's fight, flight, or freeze. The fight example is, um, the best one I could come up with is, I'm a jokester. I love to scare people. Um, I did it when I was a kid, and I do it to my husband, and I, can, I asked his permission to share this. So say my husband's coming out of the bathroom and coming down the hallway. There's a little space before the hallway, and I'll stand there, and I'll just go, hi. <laughs> My husband's response is, oh, he's ready to knock me out. And did you know that that response takes only one twentieth of a second to happen? It's a response. It's stressful, but it's a response that saves our lives. And I mean, I'm sure if you figured it out, okay, it's Janelle. She's not going to hurt me. But that comes later once he's come out of the karate position. The flight response we heard about from Pastor Bikini was Elijah ran. Jezebel said, I want to have your life. And he just took off. He ran. That's another flight response. We just run. Or a, a different kind of flight response. The bill comes in the mail and you know you don't have enough money. You don't open it. You just kind of stick it over here. Denial is kind of another flight response or your husband or wife irritates you. You don't deal with it, you just tuck it away. That's another flight response. Freeze. Have you ever been in a car accident? A really serious one. And time kind of just stops. 
you're aware of it, but it stops. That's a freeze response, because the body knows there's really nothing I can do to save myself. You just freeze. So it's flight, fight, flight, or freeze. You get those beads of sweat, your heart palpitates, your muscles tense, because you're getting ready to work. Your, your body is calling everything into action. And when you're stressed, please don't eat. The reason why, <laughs> everybody's like, no, 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 not the eat. The reason why is because you don't, digestion is not going to save your life. So your body stops digesting food when you're stressed out. The reason why we stressed really quickly, when we're babies, we learn that when I don't feel nice, my mom sticks a bottle in my mouth. So we kind of get that, that stress, emotion, eating kind of thing. So right now, I want you to imagine, my husband's from South Africa. I want you to imagine that you're walking with me and my family, and we're in a game reserve. And a game reserve has like lots of wild animals. And we run across this. Okay, I can already hear the responses are occurring. We see a lion with his mouth wide open. The stress response that we have, that's normal. We're gonna go into the fight, flight, or freeze. Hopefully you don't run, because cats love to chase. <laughs> but unfortunately, in our society today, and Pastor Bikini talked about how overstressed and overscheduled we are, there's things that happen in our life that aren't lions. But our brain doesn't know that, and it responds the exact same way. For example, when I was sitting over there waiting to come up, there was no lion on the stage. You guys are nice people. But my body was reacting as though I was getting ready to go up here with a lion. Breathing was changing, so I was practicing my breathing um, and just talking to myself and praying. We get a non-life-threatening example, a traffic jam. Does anybody's blood pressure elevate? Someone cuts you off. Okay, it's not a lion. It's not a lion. Money stress. Work or school pressure. You have a test, exam, or someone has a project that they want you to do and it's time crunched. Family difficulties. Family stress. Parenting challenges. My kid just works on my nerves. No, 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 no. There's something else going on. So I want to teach you. This is Dr. Daniel Siegel. He's really awesome. Um, he teaches a hand model for looking at the brain. Remember we talked about the brain when we were talking about temple warriors? This part here is your frontal cortex. This part right here is the hind, the brain stem, which is the hind brain, which controls your breathing, your respiration, your, all the functions that you don't have to think about, whether you blink and all that stuff, the responses. But if you open up your palm of your hand, I hope everybody's doing this. It's really good if you learn it. When this is open, this is like calling you flipped your lid. You're disconnecting the front prefrontal cortex from the amygdala or the hippocampus. That's right here. This controls our emotions. Our decision making, remember we talked about it? Is up here. This is not where we make decisions, but it's a lot of, where a lot of decisions are made. And do you remember up here in the prefrontal cortex? Goodbye. This is, where, <laughs> this is where your decisions are made. This is where your memories are located. 
this is where Elijah forgot? Because this was flipped. This is how he forgot all the miracles that had happened. This is where we forget all the ways in which God has helped us in the past, is we rely just on the amygdala. I call it the guard dog when I talk to it with my patients. Because the guard dog, his, his job is to protect, but again, there's some things that are not life-threatening that we want to be protected from. So a good way to bring the lid back down, to calm that guard dog, is the deep breathing, the 747. In for seven, hold for four, out for seven, and blow it out like a birthday candle. That tricks the brain, the brain, because the guard dog is saying, oh, she's not being chased by a lion, because if so, she wouldn't be stopping to breathe, because she's going to get eaten. So you're tricking the guard dog into knowing there's lots of oxygen coming in, as opposed to, because that's getting me ready to move, that's getting my muscles ready to take action. And also another thing you could do, drink water. We talked about that the other day. It has many different functions. But again, <clears throat> if I have you back on the savanna, or not the savanna, the game reserve, with the lion chasing after you, if I stop at a pool to drink water, the lion's going to eat me. So again, I'm tricking my brain. I'm engaging other parts of my body and saying, no, you're not stressed. So drinking water, not eating food, but drinking water, because <laughs> remember, your digestion system <clears throat> excuse me, is off. So then, if it's not a life-threatening situation, I want you to do this. I want you to stop. S-T-O-P. Stop what you're doing and be still. The T, take some cleansing breaths. Take a drink of water. Okay, maybe you, you say, God, I trust you. I lost my job, but I trust you. My loved one has died, but I trust you. I was just diagnosed with, God, I trust you. We're reconnecting that frontal part of our brain. Then observe your feelings and your thoughts. God gave them to us, but we need to think about them. Again, bring it back to the frontal part. Observe them. I'm feeling really stressed. I'm feeling really anxious. I'm feeling really angry. I'm feeling really sad. I'm feeling mad. And if you can't do that, listen to your body. Are your palms sweaty? Is your stomach in a knot? What is your body trying to tell us? Sometimes our body is actually louder than our mind can think about. So being in touch with your body. And the P of stop, pray and surrender those thoughts and feelings to God. Pray and surrender. And make a choice. And the choice may be to do nothing. God may just say, be still. Just chill out. Just wait. I'll tell you in a little bit. He may be giving you patience at that time, or he may tell you to do something else. So stop. Because this is how I look at stress. It's Satan's testing our 
eternal salvation story. He may not be able to take you from the arms of God, but he can sure change what it looks like in the end. And he could change who you take with you. Our future, remember, is secure in Christ. Our Savior surrounds us at all times. And our joy is certain. Thank you. <clears throat> now quickly I'm going to show you how this that Janelle talked about happened and God restored Elijah's emotional energy. Uh, the first way that he did it, and, and summarizing what Janelle said, is that he had to learn to care for his body. In verse 19, it says, And he lay down and slept under a broom tree, and behold, an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. Now, Janelle said, Do not eat. But let me tell you the difference between Elijah and you. Elijah fasted for 40 days. That's the only way that you're allowed to eat. Okay. So, so he rested. He rested. He rested. Let me say it in case you didn't get it. He rested. So the next time that you're distressed, the first thing you got to do is to rest. Pause. Pause. Because that is the time when you need to stop and change. You cannot change your results if you continue to practice the same behavior. Now, Elijah slept under a tree and then the angel comes down. Now, do you think the angel was chasing him? No. The contact with the angel was until the moment that he decided to stop. Like Janelle said, as long as he was moving, Satan was with him. The moment he stopped, the angel comes. So now the angel tells him to eat and he did it twice. Not so much because of the eating, but because of the resting. He needed to stop. So the, the first thing is to take care of our bodies. The second thing is to refocus on what matters. Get your eyes out of the problem. Get a fresh awareness of the presence of God. Now Elijah had to, had to learn that. And God takes him outside. Verse 11, it says, And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and a strong wind tore the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But guess what? The Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a slow whisper. And this is one of the things that we oftentimes forget. We read of the miracles and we hear of testimonies of amazing things that God has done and He does. And we think that God only appears in the amazing and the incredible. But see, that is why we're so stressed. Because God most often appears in the calmness, in the stillness. And the moments when we pause. Like, like I told you the other day, I, I love to watch baseball. And one of the things that, that I really like to watch is baseball during the playoffs in the World Series. Because see, in the World Series, every pitch counts. And one of the things that happens before a pitcher throws a ball in the playoffs is that they have the ball in their hands. So one thing, they are in control. 
But the next thing that they do is that they position themselves to throw the ball. They hold the ball with the grip of the pitch they want to throw. But what they do next is the most important part. They pause. They take a deep breath. You can even see their shoulders rising as they take that breath in. And after they take that deep breath, then they throw the ball. You see, in the moment of the maximum stress is the moment that we have to be the calmest. And that is what God was making Elijah go through. Elijah, I'm putting you in a situation that is going to change everything. Because now what happens is that I'm going to recommit your purpose. I'm going to change your perspective. Before you want to die because you thought you were useless. You wanted to die because you thought everything was over. Let me tell you, Elijah, I'm going to give you a new beginning. God gave him a new direction. In verse 15 it says, and the Lord said to him. I, I love this phrase. It's always in the Bible when it says, and the Lord said. Because see, oftentimes we think that God does not speak anymore, but God continues to speak to us. The, mo the problem is that we don't spend the time to listen. We're too busy. We're too stressed. We're moving too fast. And we don't allow God to speak to us. And notice what happens. Verse 15. Then the Lord said to him, go and return on your way. Now this is amazing because see, Elijah thought that he was doing everything right. Eli Elijah thought that he was going in the right direction, but... Oh, contraire. He was going in the opposite way. He was getting too busy, but he was going nowhere. Have you ever felt like that? And that's what was happening to Elijah. You see, so now God tells him, Elijah, stop and go. But you got to go on the right direction. You got to go on the right way. Witnesses, I mean, and, uh, go to the wilderness of Damascus, and when you arrive, you shall anoint Haziel to be the king of Syria. Now, the quicker way, let me tell you, the quicker way to regain your emotional energy is to do something for somebody else. The quickest way to regain your emotional energy is when you take your eyes off your problem, when you take your eyes off your pity and you do something for somebody else. And that is exactly what God is telling Elijah. Elijah, you got to go and you got to do something for Haziel because he needs you there. And what happens is that God gave Elijah a job. Elijah got busy doing something for somebody else. And that is the moment when you start doing something for somebody else that you forget that you're not getting anything. Because there is no, there, there is no greater reward than to know that you are Productive. And that is exactly what God is giving Elijah. An opportunity to come out of his pity, to come out of the pit of his, of his depression and to be useful and purposeful. So family, today I want to tell you that whatever your emotional state is, you don't have to stay like that. Whatever stress you're going through in life. You don't have to remain like that. God has given us opportunities to come out. He's given us healthy reasons. He's given us logic. And He's given us the opportunity to follow His advice so that we can have a balanced emotional life. Because when our, an emotional life is not balanced, our decisions are always going to be wrong. And what God wants from us most 
is that we make the right choices, like any good parent who wants his children to make good choices. So care for your body. Change what you're doing and discover the purpose that has for you. But for that, for that, we need to be still. And Joe is going to show us a little bit of how we can be and learn to be still before God.
because we do.